You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Here's your host, Tia McNelly. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 8 of The Collected Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jess Biondo. Hey, Jess. Hey, Tia. So good to be back and so excited for our guest that we have on the show today. His name is Dan Kimball. He's the author of several books, but the one we're going to focus in on today is called How Not to Read the Bible, Making Sense of the Anti-Women, Anti-Science, Pro-Violence, Pro-Slavery, and Other Crazy-Sounding Parts of Scripture. I am very excited um, just to hear what he's going to share with us today and to dig more into his personal story of how um, he ended up writing a book like this. So Dan, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello from Santa Cruz out to uh, East Coast, Charlotte. Yes. Santa Cruz, California. Yes. We're very excited to have you. To get started today, I was wondering if you could, um, before we dive into the topic of your book, just kind of back up and share with us your personal faith story Um, Because I'd imagine it had a role in leading you to write this book. Yeah. uh, I mean, I think God works in all of our lives and stories for messages that he wants us to uh, talk about. And my story was I was raised in Paramus, New Jersey, which is a suburb of New York City. Um, It's it's in that whole New York City suburban culture. And I wasn't a Christian growing up. I wasn't an atheist. I might have thought there was some sort of God or something. And uh, I went out to school. I was uh, still am. I was very much into music. I was into rockabilly music, which is kind of like Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, and then punk. So it's kind of a fusion of those two types of music. And after we graduated from college, the band I was in went out to London, England. And uh, but it was right at college. Is when I was at Colorado State University. There was, you know, at universities they'll have um, tables out at the beginning of the year for the different clubs on campus. There was a Christian group of some sort, and they had a little pamphlet. And um, I remember looking at the pamphlet. I picked it up, and it said something of the sort about Jesus is the only way. I can't remember what it was, but that concept mm. that there's only one way to God. I remember, like, I was 19 or something, and going like, "Is that what Christians really believe?" Mm. And uh, because there's so many other faiths, and how can you know, these Christians or is it an arrogant statement? You know, it's just like a very interesting question because I wasn't seeking anything, and and but that I think when I remember, sort of like, is that real? And it got me on a quest, and I really, I only can think it was God who did it. Was that that question was so interesting to me that I began studying it. I went and bought a Bible. I had, I had no parents mm-hmm. or friends that were saying do this. Uh, and then I started reading some books, and I can remember my friends, uh, they started getting concerned. This is part of the story that I was uh, That's become, hilarious. like, like you're, you're reading Christian literature, and we see this Bible, and we're actually concerned for you because there was sort of a thought that if you become a Christian, it's some sort of cult. Like, you, you, we always have to remember what it's like looking into the church and Christian beliefs from the outside. Mm-hmm. And these were caring friends. Sure. You know, they're just like, you're going to lose your creativity. You, you know, it's, they're mindless. Um, 
And and I kept seeking, like wondering, and then the band went to London, England. We lived there for a year, and basically I was starting to read a Bible, and I walked in, I, I think it was God's sovereignty, opened up a tiny little chapel of elderly folks. Uh, they, had a, they had a Wednesday afternoon Bible study. There was a sign outside <laughs> the door that said, um, and it was handwritten, so this was like the most uncool experience. And it said, Bible study inside today, and I opened the door, walked into this elderly church. There's about four elderly people, and an 82-year-old pastor named Stuart Allen looked up at me. And I remember, like when I walked in, I'm like, I'm getting out of here. Uh, and then he looked up at me so kindly, like <laughs> here for the study, right? And I'm like, okay. So I sat down Aww. with him. If he didn't say that, I would have probably like, oops, I, I'm wrong place and left because I didn't, uh, I didn't know what to expect. And that was a life-changing moment where there was an intelligent uh, pastor in his 80s and he mm. uh, didn't make he didn't judge me for my clothing or my hair was like super super high and um, and and all that he and he they cared for me he was rationally talking about faith he was an oxford grad i found out in uh, mm-hmm. in music so and he ended up taking me under his wing and i started then able to ask questions and then i put faith in jesus and um, and what I can say is what led to this book, or the, my theme main, based, main, uh, mainly in life, is never forgetting what it's like looking in from the outside mm. to Christian subculture, but also the scriptures themselves. And this book was a response to that. Um, so good. Uh, and, but I believe there's answers and the scriptures are true, or I wouldn't be you know, uh, following Jesus and talking about him. Yeah, in those early days sure. of like discovering the Lord and um, coming to know Him, were there any specific truths that really were a struggle for you to believe? Yeah, well, one was um, I never understood that God was with us always. I mean, I mean earlier mm-hmm. when we prayed, you even said that your presence is with us always. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a a const, that was, you know, it wasn't a contradiction type of thing in the Bible. It's like God's with us always, and so some of the struggles weren't theological, like Bible problems. It was more God loves me. I didn't realize that He mm. forgives me. I didn't realize that, and that was so mind blowing to me because God always was distant, and uh, if there was one. So, um, but as I then started reading, like I said, and reading it from the mindset, I'm not really. I wasn't in the Christian subculture, and then reading some of these very things, you know, women be mm-hmm. silent, uh, go home and ask your husband's uh, questions at home. It's it's a disgrace for women to speak in church. Okay, that is an actual, as you know, Bible verse, and I'm reading that like, oh my goodness, how to do Christians really want women to not speak in a church, and it's disgraceful. You know, or obviously criticism about you know what we're understanding of science, and is that do you have to throw away modern scientific beliefs to believe? And then the one about world religions that was a big one for me. Um, so I had these kind of questions for sure. sure. Here's just a quick note: was that I always like raising attention to something that um, we put so much attention to churches and uh, music and lights and parking lots and videos and all this stuff today. And God works through, you know, those things are are, are tools, right? But um, how would you, you know, how would God choose to save a, you know, a twenty-four-year-old punk rock drummer living in London? Right? It, it was through an elderly church and God's Spirit in them, mm-hmm. loving a young guy, 
coming into a little church community that was yeah. the most unhip church in London, probably. But uh, yeah, but it's just a, so it's sweet. All, whenever I tell that story, I'm always reminded of that. It's God's Spirit using things, not just the technology and stuff that we have. Absolutely. That is such a strong point. Yeah, that definitely wasn't present in the early church, you know? And yet it kind of exploded. So, (laughs) yeah, love. Love is sort of the best methodology, huh? You have to to define love today. Like, you have to define love. Is it scripture? You have to define the gospel. You have to define Jesus. Uh, We're living in a world. That's why the scriptures are so incredibly important because we can say terminology out there today and then. They're, you know, the gospel, and it has nothing to do with atonement. You know, it might just be uh, social services and things like that. So that's why definitions are really important, and that's why I'm so passionate sure. about this. Because if we if we mm-hmm. discredit the scriptures, or we undermine the truth of the validity of the scriptures, and if and if all generations, but in particular younger generations, because they're more uh, you know, studies show the younger you are, even as a Christian, the less Bible knowledge you have. It's not about knowledge, it's about our hearts, um, what the knowledge does to our hearts. But then it's so right. easy to start believing things that are not true. It's so mm. easy to start believing things that are not in the Scripture. Yeah. And it's so easy to see criticisms of the Scripture, and this is what this book is about, that um, sound really spicy and, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was in the Scriptures, and have your faith undermined. Um, I mean, I, what it, and that's why parents, yeah. young moms, young dads, uh, parents like youth pastors, young adult leaders, like to me, this is one of the most, if not the most, outside of prayer, critical thing to be talking about. Because if the scriptures are discredited, mm-hmm. you know, your focus of a show about your self identity mm-hmm. and all of this, all of that just falls apart, and it's mm-hmm. there's no grounding in it. That's and I so do true. believe there's a very strong I don't know if the word's attack. I don't like using that word, but you know, a very strong um, um, culture mm-hmm. of of, of undermining yeah, yeah. the scriptures today and trying to say like they're not really true. They're crazy. Stay away from them, which undermines mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Well, even you mentioned attack and a little you, behind the scenes when we were preparing for this. So many things have happened with scheduling and things behind the scenes that it was like, it may have been easier to cancel, but we felt it was so important. It was like one thing after another. And then even technology, like trying to get on today, it was glitchy. And, you know, so it's like, T and I just stopped and prayed and we're like, Lord, the obstacles tell us this is an important conversation and we're pushing through and we're going to do this no matter what. Like, and so this topic is so important because you're right. Our whole identity is rooted in our belief of who God is, and we get so much of that truth from the Bible. Yes, um, absolutely. And you've you've broken down the kind of the content uh, of the the book that you have recently written into these these five different um, areas where people do misread the Bible. And I would love for you to kind of hit on each of the five if you're okay with that. I mean, it's just so important. Like, what truth have you found? In what ways have you found that people are misreading yeah, the Bible in these sure. ways? And if you want to just yeah. go one through five, um, that's good. Great. Yeah, the with book us. is broken How down. How do you want to do it's, it? The, it's five 
topics, and the first section is kind of the problem-solving problem. Like, if mm-hmm. we don't know how to correctly understand what the Bible is or how to read it, then we're getting off to a bad start. Mm-hmm. So the first section's on that, and then there's five topics yeah. that we go through. Slate, I'm sorry, uh, violence, um, you know, anti-women sounding scriptures, anti, uh, anti-science, uh, pro-slavery, those type of things. And let me, because if I'm listening to yes. this, let me bring this to a... Uh, uh, a very practical. It's not just theoretical. Like there's mm-hmm. people that are into apologetics. I love apologetics. Love love apologetics. Love theology. But this isn't just a matter of um, like Bible knowledge or let's figure out the tricks of how to answer this stuff. Um, this is the story that I'm hearing over and over again. And if you're a parent or a grandparent or you got a sister or this could be you, you know, in um, this is how it's happening. There's a guy that was grew up in a great church and he. Um, was in the worship band at the church and and had a good church experience. This wasn't like a church is outdated, you know, or had bad uh, music or the preaching wasn't relevant. He graduates, then he goes to a local university here and he gets into a Christian club on campus and uh, and they start studying the book of Exodus. So here you are, an 18, 19 year old studying the scriptures. And for the first time, like he's heard the Exodus story, you grew up hearing about it and stuff. All of a sudden he's realizing, he said he paused thinking about Herod, I'm sorry, um, uh, Pharaoh and Moses, where God killed the firstborn of the Egyptians. And and he said, that's, you know, you read it and you're mm-hmm. like, that's right, they deserved it, they didn't. And then you start thinking about, he said, Herod killing the, you know, under two years old at in Bethlehem when he was trying to kill Jesus. And then all of a sudden, why is it okay for God to kill children, you know, in Exodus, but not okay for Herod, right? Because we recoil back in horror at that, mm-hmm. yet we just kind of pass it over, like too bad for those little two-year-olds and one-year-old and babies that died in Exodus. Then he started reading through as he's studying, and he reads about slavery, and even a father selling his daughter into slavery. Like it's like I didn't. Think about that. And he's like, how could God be behind slavery? And then he started, he types online, uh, researching, and he found a website called evilbible.com, and it's still up. And then all of a sudden, yeah, there's a book called Evil. There's many websites now. There's many, all of this is out there. And on the website, then he found not just those couple of verses, but I, I mean, it's just focused on the Bible being seen as an evil book where God is for slavery, anti-women, father selling their daughters into slavery, violence, killing children, um, you know, all of these things, you know, mythical anti-science type of things. And he ended up, going, all right, this is the important part. He went to his parents, who he loves, and they didn't, was like, that's in there? Like, it might, I, somebody must know, but we don't know. And when he saw that his parents did not even think about it too much, then it was backing out like, am I in a cult? Like, how did they know mm. I was raised? You know, people are raised in all different things, and all of a sudden he's discovering, right. but his own parents weren't able to answer. Then he was talking to a youth pastor, and, and something in the church leaders were saying, well, we don't know, but one day in heaven we'll find out. And he said that answer was not um, mm-hmm. good enough for him. It wasn't like it was kind of a brush it aside. Mm-hmm. And he said, these are two yeah. critical of things in the Bible that you're reading about. To uh, you know, to just ignore you know, because there's serious things about rape and 
incest and uh, and violence mm-hmm. and God being the one who allegedly is commanding these. And then through him, and he's right in that time period of questioning. Like that's a great time period of questioning. High school, college years, we all do it. That's when I came to faith through, during that time period of questioning. But he didn't get answers, and he got more answers online, and then found a lot more, and he bailed on his, he gave up on his faith. His story's not over, uh, but that's the mm. story that you're hearing over and over and over again from junior hires, high schoolers, teenage. Women in their women read books, and often more than men. That's true. You know, like often your thirties, forties, they're starting to read different books that undermine scripture, mm-hmm. and that's why this is so important. And it's not just apologetical, nice little arguments. It's about lives, and it's about people understanding the true God. Mm-hmm. So that's behind this. So you want to walk through a couple things? All I right. would love it. Um, the, to answer these very, very important questions, like, and I, I want to just say, like, in the first part of it is the question, because we're reading all these verses about God commanding death of infants. First Samuel 15, it says, go kill these infants and these children, right? You can't say that's metaphorical mm-hmm. or like, you know, there's, or wash it away. Now, some people do. <laughs> some, well, I'll get to this later, but some people do. Mm-hmm. And then you're basically saying, well, the Bible isn't the Bible. You know, it's just human writings and they got it wrong. And then everything falls apart. It's a different Jesus at that point. Mm. So um, the first thing is knowing what the Bible is. You people, Christians are raised in the church. And I've served with youth, young adults, planted a church, a lot of college students still. You grew up in churches. Some of us never were taught what is the Bible? Where does it come from? Like, where? how do you look at it? And we've turned it off into a self-help manual, looking at the nice verses that help us in life, even like your program with, you know, verses that, what's my identity in Christ? Those are critical questions. But we've focused so much on the nice parts, the the bad sounding parts are being brought to the surface, right? And it's catching people off guard. And because we've so focused, understandably, yes. on the positive parts. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at the Bible. And I walk right. through this part. You know, the first thing is knowing the, I won't go into all of these, I'll just list them. And then we'll look at some of the tough passages. But uh, prefacing looking at the tough passages, we have to remember that the Bible is a library, not a book. It's not a book like we would read normally or pick up or something like that. It's written over, what, 1,500 years? over 40 different authors, different contexts, different genres, different time periods, different people groups. And so when you open up a history book, you can read it more like history. If you open up a law book, you're not going to read it like poetry. If you read poetry, you're not going to read it like law. So Mm. an easy thing, but we're so eager to just read and um, and have it apply it to our life. What's God saying to me in this? He may not be saying anything to you, which is my next point. The Bible was written for us, <laughs> not to us. Okay, that's so much behind this. Mm. Uh, Professor John Walton out of Wheaton came up with that state. Uh, Wheaton College came up with that statement, but it's that reminder that the scriptures were written. But like, say the Book of Revelation, who was it written to? I'm gonna ask you that. Like, who is the Book of Revelation written to? Mm-hmm. Mm. To the to the right. church, so the, the churches, some churches, of those letters right. to the churches. Yeah. So when it's written to right. seven specific churches, and so then you got to say what was going on in the world of those seven churches. 
If you don't look into that right. and saying, what was God through the Holy Spirit, and then speaking through John in this case, you know, um, wanting to, those seven churches to know about their situation, what's going on, we're so eager to just jump in and say, oh, right. it must mean this to me or interpret through a modern lens. So that's the Bible is written for us, to, uh, not to us. A third thing is never read a Bible verse. We're so great at pulling out Bible verses and reading all the nice ones. Uh, you know, um, just you know, uh, you know, just any nice verse that you can think of. This on Christian coffee. Jeremiah marks. twenty nine eleven. Yeah, and that one's and that one is so. Taken I'm sure out of you discussed that one in yeah. the book. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, and it can be. There's wonderful Bible verses. We want to have Bible verses to encourage us. But you don't see, you know, go kill the Malachite children and infants on coffee mugs, right? So, um, but but then you always have to, this is the number one issue with these memes, is we look at Bible verses and we don't then naturally, our first instinct should be, all right, there's a verse, what's the paragraph, the chapter, the book it's in, where is it in the Bible, the Bible storyline? And then the last one is the Bible, it, all of it points to Jesus. Ultimately, everything's pointing to Jesus. And so when you pick up that Bible and look at anything, those are four things to remember that then absolutely change how you then look at some of these uh, wicked and evil and crazy sounding verses that um, we're, that I then uh, talk about that's causing a lot of undermining of faith. So let's look at one. That's really good. Which one do you want to start with? You, you pick. I, okay, so I have an interest in pro-violence, the pro-violence Bible. Okay, pro-violence. Now, um, I do say in this section, you know, the one out of the five of them, that this is the most difficult section um, by far, right? And I'm just saying it is the most difficult section but uh, or, or type of thing to respond to. But let me, all right, well, just like, let me just think of um, some examples. So you look in the scriptures in 1 Samuel chapter 15, you see without a doubt uh, that God is commanding, and it even says women, children, and infants to be killed, right? They, it's written out very plainly. There's a command from scripture there. There's a com- we see God, again, he killed, uh, he, you know, the angel of death killed the firstborn of the Egyptians. There's violence, there's death. Uh, and there's God behind it. We see, you know, Joshua um, and Jericho. You know, we sing the song, Joshua um, fought the battle of Jericho. Jericho, do you know that song? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. oh yeah. And the walls <laughs> oh, came yes. tumbling down and kids <laughs> sing it and everything. And I yep. always think like, they're kind of missing the second verse, like Joshua uh, fought the battle of Jericho and he killed all the women and kids. Like, you know, we have to forget. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that, mm, leave that right. verse out. So, and what's <laughs> happening is we've been just kind of reading over them and then all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, children were killed. Like, that's hard to comprehend a God doing this, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, I, it's hard. We could spend an hour and a half easily on this. So, let me just give like a quick example of what you do. You'll see memes now with Bible verses like this pulled out. You know, it says babies dash them, uh, dashing your babies against the rocks in Psalm one thirty seven. I think it is. You know, and like, look, God wants to kill babies. There, somebody rented a billboard. It might have been up by you guys somewhere, and it was an atheist group. And before ever I say atheist, uh, most atheists are kind, loving, wonderful people. There's a few of them that are activists. 
And so generally when you're saying like those atheists, it's talking about the activist ones who are renting billboards, putting up Bible verses, and then saying God hates babies, right? And things like that, because they're wanting to show, look what's in the Bible and you dumb Christians don't even know. So when you see these acts of violence, you always have to say like, what's going on in the bigger storyline? Mm. Um, and always be looking at each time you'll see one of those acts of violence and they were there. Uh, and there's, a, well, one, when you start looking into the culture, one is there's a lot of hyperbole used in war rhetoric that was commonly used back then. So when you'll see things like, you know, and they, they all were killed, um, you know, slaughter them all, like these things like that. But then right afterwards, you'll see some of them were living still. And so you'll see language that was used that all of a sudden you slaughter the city and go attack and destroy everybody in the city. But then pretty quickly after, you'll see uh, the people groups are still there. So something's going on there. And there's a lot of language. Remember, the Bible is not our culture. And it was used to be saying, like, no one will have a, f a football game. or so. I don't play sports, but it was uh, bowling. I do bowl. But it was... Um, uh, it was... Why does that not no, surprise me was, no, with the rest of what's a, in your bio? Oh, yeah. Well, I grew, up in New, I grew up in New Jersey, and it was bowling culture when I grew up there. But um, Oh, yeah, yeah. But the language that's used is, you know, say, say when you're playing football, like, you know, we killed them, we slaughtered them, like... There's language mm. that we'll still use. Yeah. We don't meaning we actually slaughtered or killed them, right? Now, right. in the scriptures, they did kill them. They killed mm -hmm. people. There's no denying it. Uh, many people died. But it right. wasn't this like merciless, uh, even though it says like without mercy, but reading <laughs> it, uh, this merciless sort of bloodthirsty God that's just saying, kill babies, kill women, kill children. Right. It was part of a bigger story Yes. You'll, you'll see people going on, and it was generally military strikes in, in battles. They're not just when we, you know, sadly, the horror of evil with power and different things that happen when there's military strikes, there will be civilians that are killed. Mm -hmm. um, but it, that's this, you have to put it in that mindset. And war language was used. And something else is, and this is a really important point you don't see violence like that's not God's character all the time. At specific times in the big Bible story, you'll see the violence. Right. And right. Uh, and yes, it happened. It was never genocide. It was not race-based, right? So like right. God even had his own people, the Israelites, where, where God raised up armies against them. And so um, I, you know, this is a long, there's a great book by Paul Capan called um, Did God Command Genocide? And that goes into this, like a 300 page just on this topic. Wow. If you want to study this like deeper, mm -hmm. so I'm giving a very surface reading, but in a um, surface response, here's like a quick analogy to think about this. Whenever you see those Bible verses, you will see um, it's you'll see things and God commanding this, but you also see God like in um, let me have it. I opened it up, so you'll see God's character constantly warning them. Can't before anything happened, pleading with them, like repent, yes. change, mm -hmm. yes. warnings. You know, Rahab and Jericho did escape because she repented. Right. I'm reading, here's, you know, here's God in the scriptures. You know, if a wicked person turns away from all the sins they committed, like um, they will live, they won't die. Do I, this is God speaking. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? 
Mm. And he says, like, repent, turn away from all your offenses. So the sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses. I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live, right? So you see it's an invitation. God warning. Yeah, like, please yeah. don't. But in yeah. the wicked practices of a lot of these people, too, kill, killing their own babies themselves as sacrifice and burning them, so many things, God is God, and he did then say, all right, I have to do surgery, and I'm purging the land. I'm cleaning mm. the land as, I, as mm-hmm. I'm coming through. I've offered repentance for people to turn to me, and eventually um, there's action that was taken. So mm. the storyline, like you know, it's not just those things, and and this is, um, I guess, a metaphor, a story for everything. Like you know, the movie Mary Poppins, right? Of course. Yes. All right, like, you know, just sort you know, of like, is I'm Mary older Poppins, now, so just FYI. Like, yeah, Mary Poppins, the story of the, the good nanny that, fly, you know, the mythical nanny flies into the family and, and it's a good, she's helping the family and then she leaves at the end. Someone, you can type in on Google, scary Mary, and a YouTube video will come up and it's worth watching because it shows the point of this. I've seen this, it, yeah. Oh, no. Right, so you see it. So it's called Scary Mary, and then you will see clips of the movie. Someone had the genius idea and they took little clips of Mary Poppins from the movie itself. They pieced them together and put a little kind of like a slower Mary Poppins soundtrack song behind it. And you'll see Mary like staring at the kids in the bedroom when they're cleaning up the bedroom scene and the boy gets like brought into the closet and the doors are shut or someone goes like up the chimney and she makes like a mean face and then she, you'll see all these other nannies when they're replying before she came, like, oh, it blown away by the wind. And they put all these things together. And then the end, you see the two children running. And then they go, scary Mary, hide your children. Right. Oh, now, my gosh. If you didn't know Mary Poppins, this is the important point. If you didn't know Mary Poppins, you would watch that trailer. And, of course, it's a horror story. You know, and, right. But it, it's not a horror story. But if you're only piecing a few things out without looking at the whole, it's right. going to be a horror story. And that's what's going on with the Bible and violence. Um, the cross is violent. You know, there's yeah. violence was used. Um, and that is the hardest thing to describe. But if a baby ever died in, as a result of battle, they are with the Lord right now, right now. All yeah. of their parents had time to repent. They were yeah. warned. And it, again, it's... Pharaoh had time to repent. Like he was begged, by, you know, like turn, let the people go, turn, turn. So, and that God is a compassion, passionate, slow to anger, forgiving God. And, Absolutely. And there was violence for sure. And I'm not, you don't wash that away. And it's hard to grasp, but that's where, I'm, because you know the whole God, you then trust. Um, so that's a, a quick, mm. a somewhat yeah, quick answer good. to a very deep, complicated. Yeah. Uh, thing in the Bible. You know, it's interesting to me, Dan, and I want to go and see how many um, uh, of these promises I found last year in 2020. I do, I use a word of the year as like a lens through which to view life and what the Lord is teaching me in a year. And my word was promise last year. And I noticed as I studied that word and I studied um, the word promise in the word, a lot of times God's promises are phrased if you dot, 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 I will dot, dot, dot. And it's almost always Mm -hmm. an invitation to turn from sin and enjoy the fullness of life 
in him. And so I'm so interested to go back now, and maybe you already know, um, and connect those promises to these places of terrible violence and how many of them, you know, the people could have prevented ruin by turning from sin and, and taking God up on the invitation to enjoy life as he designed it in the garden. Um, obviously that's not the story of the world, but, um, just for my own interest, I, I, I'm going to have to go and see where those things connect. Yes. Well, the story of Nineveh, um, you know, and Jonah, they were a wicked city. When you look at historically what was going on, they would kill people, put their, the human skins on the walls of their city, behead Mm -hmm. people. They were have cut off body parts and all, you know, extremely wicked place. And they repented. They were warned in mm-hmm. that case, they repented and God did not then destroy the city. Great Repentance, example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And something that you said is really, really important because pastorally being a ministry a long time, mm-hmm. whenever there's an if, like if you, is the if to us or is it if, uh, or yeah. is, it a, is it to something specific or somebody specific? Because yeah. often we claim promises and we mm-hmm. expect God to do something when those promises were never ones he made to us. Yes, and then that was a big question really I had last year. in God for things that he never promised to us. Yes, that's so good. I'm glad you well, said that. No, that's, that, um, that is one of the biggest things that disappoint people because mm-hmm. um, they just look at the verse, there's a promise, sounds wonderful, but it wasn't meant for us. You got to look at, is it one that was meant for us or you yeah. know, the promise, or is it one that was specific? The one you mentioned earlier, if my people uh, come and pray, I'm going to, like, I'll heal my land. Right. Who was that written to? Was it written to us? Like, no, it wasn't. It was written to the people of Israel in captivity in Mm -hmm. Babylon. And it was about them getting back. Like, so that, now we can, of course, you want to pray and repent and turn to him. Right. But there's not a promise our land will be healed if we do that. You know, I hope he does. I want to clap the, for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, okay, because Christians are just as guilty as the atheists and so that are pulling out all the bad verses. We've been just as guilty as only focusing on the nice verses and often right. misusing them, mm, which can yeah. create heartache and yeah. disappointment in God if we've mm-hmm. claimed things that he never promised us. Yeah, that's so good. I have noticed, um, though, it... it those promises to a, cer- a certain people group, when you read them in context, as you're suggesting, that is, that's so imperative, um, they reveal something about God's character that is for us, that is timeless, and, and that we can, we can carry with us to understand, okay, this was the way He intended for us to live and be in relationship with Him. And if we will, will heed the warning of what we're reading in history— we can really learn and do better as his people now. So I, I 100% agree. I even had to get into a conversation with uh, with my own pastor this past year, trying to understand just that concept. Um, and so I'm, I'm really, really glad that that came up. I feel like, um, especially right now, um, with things that are going on politically and a lot of, there's a whole lot of prophecy going on out there. And I, I just right. wonder... 
um, if that's not for someone who's listening to this episode to um, kind of rethink the way that we're looking at the promises that we find, particularly in the Old Testament. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, I, I say this, I mean, I, I say this, um, I don't know what the words, with great respect respect to people, but like sure, uh, Christianity, it says, love the Lord your God, this is the greatest commandment, with all of your heart, and your mind, right? And mm. your soul and strength. Yeah. Your mind is involved. Totally. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. You know, uh, don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Mind. Not just singing songs or fellowship right. or serving. Our mind is involved. And I'm. it's sad to say there's a lot of, we, we, we should be thinking Christians, you know, and... Um, and the scripture's there for us to be thoughtfully thinking through because you're absolutely. Uh, I'll say this with again great respect. You know, uh, as a church leader, um, people give money to churches, right? So, like, and we're constantly of you know, give to the mission of the church and, and all of that. But the tithe, you know, you always hear they, they quote Malachi and they'll say like, mm-hmm. "Bring your tithes into the offering." That's not for us today, and so you're mm-hmm. seeing like that misused if you're yeah. trying to build pull out a a principle that God was using in the temple in Jerusalem and bring it into post-Acts chapter two, Holy Spirit church birth life. Now there's definitely teaching to give to the church, but there's not a number used, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of misuse that can happen. And I will say this, if a prophet does not come true, all these prophecies that are said, knowing the scriptures, then what does it say about the prophet? So if I'm prophesying and something doesn't come true, what does the scripture say about the prophet? To cons- consider what the prophet has said and to to bring it before the Lord and test right, it. No, what, right, yeah, test it. And then if it doesn't come true. False prophet? It's a false prophet. False prophet. Right. Yeah. And then in the Old Testament, you know what the punishment for false prophets were? Death. Death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have turned, even prophecy, we've turned it almost like into a weird game, like yeah. uh, in my opinion. Yeah. It's almost cheapened. I believe in God speaks through people for sure. Totally. But we do too. It's almost like I'm going to prophesy about this, prophesy about this. And all of a sudden, it's almost like a, it's not based out of scripture. And so many people can get disappointed if we're just so lightly doing that. And so that's yeah. again coming back to the scriptures and how to read the Bible correctly. Yeah. And, um, that's so know, good. So, all right, let me, let me raise up something else because of. Um, like so one of the things in the Bible that we hear, because you mentioned something earlier about principles for today that you know that we can learn from. Yeah. So let me ask, um, you know, like you go back and a lot of these are showing up on memes, on television. Celebrities are quoting these things. You know, mm-hmm. there's Bible verses that explicitly say, uh, you know, do not eat shellfish. Do, that means do not <laughs> eat shrimp, right? There's a website that mocks the Bible and Christians, um, and it's called GodHatesShrimp.com. Right? There's wow. there's things that are out there that are just saying like, you know, why do you why do you wear polyester blends? Because you're not supposed to have fabrics of two types together. Um, you know, don't get tattoos. And they're quoting Bible verses, putting them right. up on memes, and then they list the actual verse. And you're reading it, and you're like, this is this is crazy. And then. There's criticism and memes up uh, that will say uh, scriptures from the Old Testament and the New that'll talk about slavery. And they'll say like, God is 
showing, he, there's verses about slaves obey your masters and, uh, and fathers, you can sell your daughter into slavery. And these type of, ver- they're actual verses. You, uh, this again, on a billboard, slaves obey your masters, a horrible graphic and a, in the Bible verse. Mm-hmm. So people see these like, that's in the Bible. Like, yeah. did God want slavery? Does, oh, can we not eat shrimp today? That is a Bible verse. Okay, this is not, these aren't made up. But how do you answer those things? So, all right, I'm reading that. So can we not eat shrimp today? Can, you know, all of these type of things that you see. Um, Now, these are easy ones, not the slavery one. I'll talk about that in a moment. But these are, you know, shrimp and those kind of things. They were laws that were set in. Remember the first one is the Bible is not written for us and to us. It was not a, it's not a book, but a library. Those were laws written to the people of Israel after they left Egypt. They were in the desert. They had no scriptures. Remember, there was no Bible written yet. True, yeah. God was using Moses. So they were wide open. And the surrounding people groups were practicing all kinds of worship of other gods and different things. So God was giving them laws to live distinctly and separately from the other people groups around them at that time. There were dietary laws and and um, and some like social type of laws. There were uh, moral laws and different things that God was giving them. And when you, then you follow that out. So were they? Could you eat a shell? Could you eat a shrimp if you were a, a Israelite in pre New Testament times? No. Can you now? Yes. What changes? You follow the New Testament thread, and then you'll see that Jesus also, and he's talking about all things are uh, clean now you'll see that that law does not apply to contemporary living. And uh, and it's not, it was an abolished law that had a time and a season and is not for today. Um, mm. But then you have to say, all right, can I kill people? What about the sexual morals? Like those were in the Old Testament. All right, that's a good question. Yeah. You have to follow the Bible storyline. And actually in the book, I read out that chart, it's got the Bible storyline. Yeah. And then you'll see post-Jesus, post-birth of the church, um, what you'll see is the sexual ethics stayed, right? They were reinforced and they kept mm-hmm. going. But dietary laws and those type of things, they ended. Mm-hmm. So you have to see what were the things that were continual and what weren't. Like, so yeah. we don't, and that's, and some of the laws like don't, you'll, and this is another one you'll see on memes. Don't boil your, um, don't boil a goat in its mother's milk. Okay. And that's repeated twice. Oh, crap. I can't do that anymore. Dang it. Yep. <laughs> no. Well, all right. How do you explain that? Now, to an outsider, what a bizarre, bizarre religion you believe. Yeah. Why would God pay attention to that and he's not caring about slavery? Mm. Why would he ban shellfish and not slavery? Right? Because there's slavery. I'll, I'll talk about the slavery one in a moment, but um, if you want to. But the... Uh, um, See, like the goat in the mother's milk, it's, a, it's one that, again, it's explainable when you study what was going on, and that's from Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, and it's weird. It's a weird verse to us that sounds bizarre, right? All of these Old Testament laws sound really bizarre, but it's basically um, in that culture, you would have known that the Canaanites and the surrounding people groups, they actually practiced things like that. Yeah. So it was God saying, don't, pra-, that was like worship rites. And mm. there's thought that it was a fertility rite, you know, appeasing the gods of, bother, of boiling a kid goat in its mother's milk for fertility and for a good season. They had a worship rite. 
Uh, it could have been that God was not wanting to see death, something with death and life mixed like that. There's some two different theories about mm. it. They knew what it was. We may look right. back and not know what it was, but they knew what it was, right? Right. And there's good reasons for these things, but they certainly make good memes to criticize the Bible. Sure. Wow. Yeah, mm. context matters. Definitely. Well, yep. And the and the the impact of memes with these verses really affect yeah. people. That's why they're so popular out there. Well, and I think it's important too. I I love your commitment to being mindful of what our faith looks like from the outside, um, because we can very much live in our Christian bubble um, and go and serve and do nice things for people on sort of a surface level where they're receptive to help because they need it or where they're already Christians. They just happen to be poor. Lots of examples of ways that we can serve where we don't actually encounter people who don't believe the same way as we do. Um, and so I think it's, I think it's super important for us to make sure that all the people in our life don't look and think exactly like us. And this is just one more reason why we will quickly forget what it's like to view our faith from the outside. That's a very important concept. I'm really glad that you reinforced that. I feel like, I feel like I'm taking that away from this conversation. Um, My, my sister actually is not a believer. She'll never listen to this. um, Though I will tell her that her name was mentioned. Um, And uh, I remember when I was a new believer the litmus test for me was always for whatever I was saying or, you know, the way I was choosing to live behaviors, whatever was always kind of how will she see this or how must she think about what I'm saying? If I use too many Christian words, you know, she's going to get turned off. She's not going to want to participate in the conversation. Um, and so that was something I was very mindful of in the beginning. And I'm not so much anymore. And I wonder if there are conversations we could have had over time um, if I had been more mindful of that. So that's something I'm really going to digest after we're, we're finished with this conversation. So thanks for that too, Dan. Well, your children, if you have children, they'll, they're going to get exposed to this, these questions. I mean, it's, you know, we're worried about all kinds of other things, but this is why I feel is an urgency. Um, Kids will, you know, uh, your teenagers, your college age, like these are the things that, these are the questions more of the day. You know, 20 years ago, it wasn't like this. Now it is. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that's why it's critical for Christians to know, for parents, mm-hmm. grandparents to know. Uh, you don't have to be a Bible expert. Like you don't have to know all the answers. All you got to know right. is like, okay, there are reasonable ways of looking at this. The Bible's a library; it's not a book. The Bible's written for us, not to right. us. So there are, re- and then and then you're not shocked, and you're not like, oh my goodness, right. this is there. But you said something important, and I go immediately to the classical verse about uh, sharing faith. You know, like being, being, uh, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, right? Uh, Of course. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. And then Mm. the next thing is who asks you? Yes. Right? (laughs) Now you have to have relationship, and then someone's going to ask you, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like be ready. And this is the kind of stuff that we need ready to be with. I wish those parents would have been ready to answer when their son was raising up some decent questions. Yeah. Um, 
Because a scary thing that's going on, and this is a, you can have whole topics on this subject, you know, is I'm old enough now to have watched the the motive of evangelism, but without a lot of uh, caring for justice and compassion, mm-hmm. like more like evangelism. Now I've watched it shift the other way. Yep. And there's so much on justice and compassion, which of course is part of the scriptures. We should right. be. Um, but this, someone said this, it might have been N.T. Wright or someone I was at some event, and they said, you know, um, atheists will care for the poor and the homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the world applauds people when they care for the poor and things, of course. But the gospel is a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to think, well, I've done my job, I'm doing these social you know, acts of compassion, right. which again, scripture needed important, of course, should be part of our life. But without the gospel being articulated with words, people will not hear about who Jesus is. Right. And and evangelism, I'm not talking about walking up to strangers, evangelism, just right. like being like ready preacher. to share yeah. what that just said. It's kind of like lessened in a lot of circles and churches mm-hmm. and things. So um, I, yeah. I, I want to, uh, it's just, again, so important because I know my life and your lives were changed by Jesus and yeah. you want people to know the true Jesus. Mm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, so we are very quickly running out of time, Dan. I want to give you an opportunity to, um, if you have not yet already, to share with our audience the one imperative thing that like your life depends on. If there's one thing that anyone listening needs to hear from you because of what the Lord has done in you, what is that? What's your life Just, message? Oh, well, my life message is despite what you may hear, think, or even a disappointment in a church, a local church, you know, or, or something, um, that Jesus is real, uh, changes lives, changes lives, and the scriptures are truth. And, yeah. um, and and man, like no matter what experience we may have that may seem counter to that, or 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 look at from if you're not a Christian looking in, look at that. Like you gotta look at what truth is underneath, mm-hmm. and you'll never be disappointed with with that. And your life is changed, and will be continue to be changed all of our lives through God's Spirit. And I ju- I I just feel Christianity, and especially now. We, you know, it's easy to talk to other Christians, right? We can mm-hmm. Jesus rose from the dead, but think of how absurd that sounds yes. to somebody that's not a Christian. As something mm-hmm. as easy as that, he rose from the dead. Praise God! Like, yes, yes. Yep. It, talk, you know, say it was like a guy named Joey. Hey, I saw a guy named Joey. He died, and he actually came back. But they put him in the grave, and now he's back. You're like, that's insane, right? Right. When you right, that is what we believe. And yeah. we better not, we got to like kind of snap out of a internal complacency about faith because yeah. the world is changed. And you hear this term post-Christian, like it's not just a weird phrase. It's like Christians are not what is, are not on the, 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 the prominent, respectable ones in culture today. And Mm-mm. it could get worse. I'm not this mm-hmm. gloomy person at all, but it could get worse. And a lot of the fight and criticism will be about knowing the truths of Scripture, because what's happening is, um, I mean, we just, um, someone can say they believe in Jesus and use Christian language, but when you look at their beliefs, they're actually counter to some of the basic fundamental truths of the Bible. So you can say, I'm Christian, or I believe in Jesus. 
it's not the Jesus of the Bible. And that is a warning that we got to be then in the scriptures to say, who is Jesus? Right. Have you ever heard the term red letter Christian? Yes, of course. That's uh, Shane Claiborne. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I I don't, uh, it can be helpful, but then not helpful. It's helpful to put it on that Jesus's words, but there's a lot more truth. All of scripture is inspired, not just the words of Jesus. And you learn a heck of a lot about Jesus from the non-red letters, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but there's a lot of confusion out there. And that's why... I right. beg anyone to please make sure they're yes. looking at the truth. Well, the fact is that Christ is all throughout scripture. If it's mm-hmm. if it's if he is the word became flesh, then he is all throughout scripture and every single one of the words could in fact be read if we want to think about it that way. So I 100% agree with that that uh Christ is everywhere in the Bible, not just in the red letters that he's yep. the words he spoke this, while he was on this earth. Yeah. The storyline yeah. points to him from Genesis all yes. the way to the end. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Dan, thank you so much for taking time to come and chat with us. We are so excited for your book. Um, we're going to make sure that everybody knows how to find you online, how to buy your book um, and where to find scary Mary uh, because that, mm-hmm. that just sounds like such a great illustration about uh, how we can take take God's word out of context in dangerous ways. So thank you for being with us. Yeah, I mean, and I, I say this, I mean, I really believe this. If someone um, can't afford a book, I got like a case of them, you know, like I'll send somebody a book if they really want wow. one, they can't, whatever it is on Amazon. So generous. 12 bucks or something. Like I, yeah. I'm not kidding. I'm not just saying that uh, because... This is critical of having confidence in the scriptures. And Absolutely. if you're a youth pastor, youth leader, or something, mm-hmm. Zondervan is putting together uh, study guides and little videos to use and slides Ooh. with all of the memes and graphics in the book right. that youth pastors or people can use. Just mm-hmm. grab them and put a meme up on in a youth group uh, and, and have it say, like, women, be silent. Uh, it is disgrace for a woman to speak in a church. Must go home and ask your husbands afterwards. Put that on a screen and then say <laughs> and see what happens. Answer that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then you're getting them to learn. Like, like, right? You, is that really in the Bible? Like, we didn't even get to that topic. But I mean, right? But here's the good news: all of these have rational, solid responses. Um, mm. and, and that's the good news of all of this. The scriptures are true. There are responses. And, uh, and and that's why we just have to give confidence to young people all ages yeah. that there are responses to these very crazy sounding verses. Yeah, mm. great. Well, thank you so much again for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Friends, I sincerely hope that you heard the generous spirit behind um, Dan's words. He is so passionate about getting this message out to as many people as possible. If you want a book, DM us, DM him. And I know that he will stay true to his word, but he has also created so many other valuable resources. Um, So please go to dankimble.com and check out the slides and the the animated videos and all of the different memes and discussion topics that that he has made available because this stuff is imperative. Mm -hmm. What an incredible time to be taking on 
these specific topics and the the imperative of the truth of the word. Yeah, it's so important. I think those videos are still in the works, the animated series. Oh, that's true. But yeah, I was yeah. looking at his website and there's so much there. Um, yeah. So it's we have a link to it in the show notes and then also on our blog. Um, so just really important stuff. Yeah, thank you guys so much for coming back to our interview with Dan Kimball and we will see you back here in two weeks. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as a dollar a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, giveaways, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes and Jess at Sprezza Foundry. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.